We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That is Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. We're going to get right to it. Ryan, today we're going to talk defense. And we're going to talk about the Notre Dame defense because we are going through this week, this first couple days of the week, I should say, when we're really looking at Notre Dame. And what does Notre Dame need to do to fix this? Because we have said a lot of times, Ryan, especially over the, the last several months, is this isn't really about the opponents. This is about Notre Dame. Notre Dame did not lose to Marshall because of Marshall per se. Marshall coached a great game. Their players played hard. Their players played well. But that was more about Notre Dame not playing well than it was Marshall. And so that's got to get fixed first. And the, the same thing is going to be true of Cal. If Notre Dame loses to Cal, it will not be a lack of talent compared to Cal. It will not be Cal coming out with these great game plans and all these type of things. Cal is who they are. This is about Notre Dame coming out and playing to their to their level and the things they need to do. And yesterday, we talked a lot about the offense. And right now, the offense needs a ton of work. The defense does as well. Now, the defense has certainly played better. I think the defense played very well in the opener, took a big step back against Marshall, in my opinion. Big yep. step back in a lot of different ways. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that we have seen in the first two games that I think manifested themselves even more in game two that need to get looked at, need to get fixed and corrected. And some of the things you, we really didn't know if they were, were not going to be a problem. Some things we did not expect to be issues that we're going to have to address now and get fixed. And so that will be the purpose of today's show because Ryan, at the end of the day, yes, the defense has had a chance, has played well enough to give the team a chance to win two games as the offense was better but if they had won those two games, Notre Dame would be 2-0, and but there'd still be the same holes. And if the offense was better, there'd still be the same holes on the defense that you know could prove problematic against teams like North Carolina and BYU and Clemson and, and especially USC at the end of the year. So these things got to get cleaned up. Win or lose, they got to get cleaned up. But as, as much as we want to put the blame on the offense, the reality is, is the defense has also had multiple opportunities to make fourth-quarter stops and in each instance gave up 95-plus yard touchdown drives. Yep. That's not the offense's fault. No. And so we've got to 
we've got to address that. And we're going to talk about what are some of those things that can get fixed today is what we'll, what we'll discuss and what we'll focus on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Ryan, I think the first one, and this is more of a big picture look at the team. I don't, I really can't put my finger on why, but right now the stars are not playing like stars. And, you know, Brandon Marshall did in the opener. He had some flashes in game two, didn't play overly well in game two, in my opinion. Isaiah Foskey has been, for the most part, not a factor. In games, Jason Adamiola had a big play late against Marshall, but other than that, hasn't made a lot of plays. Maris Lufau has been let's say disappointing, I think is a is a is a way to put that to be to be nice. Underwhelming, from, yeah. Right. From what yeah. we kind of expected him to be. Yep. And and Cam Hart, you know, and again, we we you and I both talked about this before the show. We understand he's battling a hamstring injury. I'm sure that's a factor, but whatever the reason, he hasn't been all that good either. And so the first thing is for this is we can talk about all the scheme and all the coaching changes that need to get made. And there are some, Mm -hmm. but the biggest thing that is needed on defense is the stars got to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing? And not pointing the finger at the coach is doing this, or this person's doing that, or whatever the case may be. It's look in the mirror and say, what do I have to do to get better? Because the the biggest thing is, is if Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adamiola and Cam Hart simply get back to the level they played at last year, this defense gets much better immediately. Well, Brian, before the show started, we were talking a little bit about 
what what is Isaiah Foskey doing differently that he's not as dominant as he was just last season? And I can't put a finger on it. Mm-hmm. I really can't. I mean, I, I don't know what the issue is because I, I don't know. I don't know if you noticed it, Brian, but like I haven't noticed a, a ton of slide protection going right to seven no. or double teams or I mean, for the most part, Isaiah Foss is getting one-on-one opportunities, and for whatever yeah. reason, he's not capitalizing. And that goes to right. Jason Adam Malola not capitalizing. That goes to Maris Loyfeld not capitalizing. That goes to Cam Hart. It's not like a I, – I haven't noticed these dramatic shifts from an offensive perspective where they're saying, like, we need to eliminate these guys and have mm-hmm. them so that they are not affecting us at a high, at a high rate. I haven't noticed those things. For whatever reason, so far, they're not playing well. And I don't know like why Cincinnati it is. did that to Foskey last year, Ryan. You could point sure. to it and say they were sliding, they were chipping, they were doing a lot of things to him to slow him down. You can't point to that this year and say, oh, this is why. You can't. It's not there. It's not. It's not. There. It's not. And it's troubling because, like, we talked about it, right? Ohio State has a couple of talented offensive tackles. Like, it's not acceptable, but you're, you kind of understand it a little bit more because you're like, okay, at least he's playing good football players against Marshall. Like, you know, I like Ethan Driscoll, but. There should be no chance right. that a one-on-one situation Isaiah Foskey doesn't win, right? Like that's right. that's where the consistently, yeah, consistently doesn't win, yeah. and that's a problem. I mean, that's that's a concern. Same with Jason Adamula. Now, some of it is going to be usage, and we're going to talk about those things. But those guys, and here here's the big thing: is is this is the biggest thing on defense is is where's the leadership, right? And what are they going to do about the zero and two loss? Are they going to say, well, this it, this guy's not doing what Coach Elston did? Okay fine you know this guy we're, we're running this and coach freeman liked to run this scheme last year and we're not doing that anymore we're now doing this scheme or whatever and it's like okay fine but are you playing to the best of your potential within that system if the answer is yes then you need to go to the coach and say coach listen here's the deal you, you know i don't i i feel like this is I, i'm not i'm not able to get into the rhythm because of this i'm having trouble executing this because of this but if you can't look in the mirror and say, I'm giving everything I got and I'm doing everything I can within that system and buying into what they're doing, then you're you're part of the problem. You've got to correct it, right? So these are good kids. They're hard workers. I don't question any of that, but they've got to start playing better. It's as simple yeah. as that. And it's not about coaching. There, there are coaching things to correct, but it's not just about coaching. It's about you guys have got to step up and do what you're, you're capable of doing. And that's going to be a big part of, of this is, is, and, and then that leading by example then makes everything else better. Ryan. And that's, that's where, when you come down to it, if you're, if what was one of the things we, we, we did literally did two whole shows on this during the summer. If this team is going to reach its potential, your stars got to play like stars. And yep. so far this season, outside of Michael Mayer, I, I can't think of a single star that has played like star star in both games. And even Michael Mayer is not blocking hardly uh, all that effective he's like taking a step back there so i just that's the big thing they got they got to do it they got to do it brian i feel like in this in the summer we talked a lot about just kind of the defensive i guess floor to it right because i mean again cam hart was a good player last year isaiah foskey was a really good player last year i thought jason malola at times was a really really good football player last year and you just kind of assume that that's the baseline right like that's if if, if you're going to get what you got last year at worst and it doesn't improve upon itself then you still have a really a chance to be a really good defense but for whatever reason you aren't getting that baseline right now and mm-hmm. i don't know if it's a change of scheme. I don't know if it's not maximizing player strengths. Like, I don't know what it is hundred percent. I don't know if, if defense players aren't fully locked in. I don't know. I, I can't really explain it, 
All I know is it has to change. It has to change right. because there's a lot of, I mean, honestly, like Brandon Joseph was a little bit of an unknown. We expect him to be a really good player because he was at Northwestern, but he's coming here. And I think through two games, like you said, his Marshall game wasn't quite as good as his Ohio state game, but he's probably been their best defensive player. Maybe. I mean, not mm-hmm. probably arguably in the top two or three, Tariq Bracey has taken a big step forward, which is nice to see. But the guys that you were just kind of expecting to be the dudes based upon what you saw in 2021 just aren't those dudes right now. And the talent is all there. And, I mean, if we're talking, not to be too critical, but Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adamalola both came back to school. Why, Brian? Because they had stuff that they had to prove, right? They had a a jump that they needed to take. And right now they haven't taken it. So I hope the last 10, hopefully more games of the season – they're able to take that step, and it's going to be very important for this team yeah. overall on defense side of the ball. Yeah, and I'm going to push back on this question for this comment from Bill Walsh. It says Foskey has had 52 tackles last year. That is four per game. I know that he was disruptive. He has nine through two games this season. Okay, a couple of responses to this, Bill. Number one is so, right? Num- so he has five solo tackles, which is about two and a half per game. Last year, he averaged about almost three solo tackles per game. So that's below his normal average. Has one tackle for loss and one sack, and I don't believe he was touched on that play. So, yes, his tackles are basically on par with last year. His tackle for loss and sack projections are cut in half, basically, yep. compared to last year. And that includes going against Marshall. So, you know, that that number doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Plus, it's not about – I've said this a million times. It's not about sacks. I've said this a million times. It's about constant disruption. And the reality is his his disruption has just not been there. And that's, that's a fact. I mean, you, you, you know, you go look at last year and you can talk about, you know, what he did last year. And, okay, let's talk about what he did last year. You know, last year Isaiah Foskey had – I'm, I'm going to pull the numbers up now, okay? So last year Isaiah Foskey in 13 games had 54 had, – let me see here. Had uh, Let me look at his total hurries last year. Isaiah Foskey had 32 total hurries. So that's about, you know, 32 total pressures, excuse me. So that's about 2.5 per game per game. He has two this year. Uh, So he has a hit and a sack on a quarterback. No hurries, according to Pro Football Focus. And I can't disagree with him because I can't, I don't have him down for any pressures at all either. So he's got to play better. This isn't a shot at him. It's he's capable of playing a lot better. He needs to play a lot better, right? Same with Jason Adamiola. Same with Cam Hart. And and look, some of the guys that we were we had question marks about have played pretty solid football so far. Mm-hmm. And what's what what kills me is you'll see people harder on Riley Mills, who's been a far more productive player so far than Isaiah Foskey, and not be as hard on Isaiah Foskey. And the reality is Isaiah Foskey is a first round talent, and he yes. is he is a I believe a team captain. He's got to step up and play well. And, it, and and so those are things that we need to see. Your stars have to play like stars. That's the first thing because we have seen in the past that stars playing like stars overcome coaching issues offensively mm-hmm. and defensively. And, and so unless you're looking in the mirror and saying, I'm doing everything I can, then I, that's what your focus needs to be on. When you get to that point, then you can sit down and have a conversation with the coach about, hey, this is, this is something has got to change or this has got to be better. And so I think that for me is the first thing that that I'm going to to point to. And Brian, I, w- I would just reiterate, I think just watching the first two games, if we're just talking about Foskey for a second, I mean, like all due respect to him, because I mean, I 
mean, I think he's a top 20 pick talent in next year's draft. Like just from a talent perspective, I mean, 6'5", 260, long arms, athletic. Like he has all the tools. There's no doubt. But against Ohio State, he was invisible. Let's be honest. Like he was invisible against Ohio State. And then Marshall, he has the one sack where I'm pretty sure it was run action away and he was unblocked, right? I'm pretty sure that that was the play. And then he had one decent outside track rush on Ethan Driscoll where he wasn't able to finish, right? So it just it they haven't been productive. I mean, I could argue also that Howard Cross has probably been the best interior defensive lineman on the team through two games. But I, it's just I guess it's you that's know. not an argument, Ryan. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Howard Cross has been by far their most. Con- the, and the difference is is he's consistently effective. Yes, right. Like Howard Cross doesn't have a ton of uh, tackles for loss. He doesn't have a ton of sacks in the, on the season. Right. He's got one and a half tackles for loss. He's got one sack, and he got that I believe on the first play of the season. It's the constant disruption, right? The mm-hmm. constant penetration. I think he has he has played well. So again, it's it's if your stars simply step up and play to their potential, this thing gets better. And and so that's obviously an area that they have to look at. That's step one. Yep. Step two, right, is the coaching staff has to kind of look at what they're doing and say, okay, what are we doing that contributes to the fact that multiple of our best players are not playing to their potential? Mm-hmm. And this is what we say. It's always got to be both. It can't just be the players saying they have to look in the mirror. And then the coaches are like, yeah, you're right. You should look in the mirror. No, they need to look in the mirror and you need to look in the mirror. Why is it that Jason Adamiola, Isaiah Foskey, Justin Adamiola, Cam Hart are all playing less effectively than they did a year ago? Mm-hmm. That's got to be something as a coach. You got to look in the mirror and ask yourself. And so like people say, well, you know, Blake Fisher, Tommy Reese talked about this yesterday, Blake Fisher hasn't played a lot of games. Okay, I get that, but he didn't play a lot of games going into the Oklahoma State game, and his pass protection looked a lot better than it does right now in games three and four. So, you know, why why is there regression? Joe Walt has looked worse in two games this year than he did at any point in time, in my opinion, last year. Why is that? Well, against Ohio State, you could chalk it up to win against talented guys, but what's the excuse against Marshall? Right. And so now I thought Joe played better against Marshall than he did against Ohio State. He was he was, in my opinion, their best offensive lineman against Marshall, but he wasn't as good as he could be and should be. And as well as he played at times last year. So I think defensively, you have to look in the mirror and say as coaches and say, why is this happening? Is it a preparation thing? Are we are we asking too much of them now that the season's in? Are we are we are they playing too much in practice? Are we giving them too many reps? Did we wear them down a little bit? That's a question you have to ask. I don't know the answer to that because we're not a practice. Right? These right. are just general things that you have to ask yourself. Are we not practicing them enough? Mm-hmm. Are they not getting enough reps? Again, we don't know the answer to that because we're not a practice, but these are things you have to ask yourself. And, and one of the things that I think is true, Ryan, is I think that they're asking a lot of the players from a standpoint of, of how much they have in. And we saw this last year from the defense early last year where they put a lot in early and the mm-hmm. defense struggled for the first you know, several games of the season. Mm-hmm. And then they figured it out. Well, you were able to get away with that last year because you played two not very good teams in your first two games of the year and, and were able to win late because you had a veteran quarterback and because you had way better players than them. Well, this year you're playing two better teams than you did last year and you're 0-2. Yep. And so – I think one of the big things that as you and I look at what they need to do, one of the big things that the coaching staff needs to do like right now is they have to do a better job, in my opinion, of scaling back what they're asking these guys to do. 
Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a common mistake that we see at Notre Dame. And, and, you know, we'll kind of go through, we'll go through big picture what we think they need to do and then how it affects each position group. And so for me, they have to kind of figure out with a defensive line. Like one of the things I didn't understand about Saturday against Marshall is they ran a lot of three down stuff. Yeah. Which I didn't quite understand. And then they're putting Jace, Justin out of mule, like at Mike. A and, lot. It seemed like a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. My understanding yeah. is that's not the plan they went into the week with. They changed course at some point in time during the week to get to that. And I, I didn't quite understand that. And and so I think, first of all, you know, when you – I mean, Ryan, look, the D-line's not really playing that well as a whole. They've taken a step back. Why? Yep. The linebackers are, are being passive unless they're being forced to attack with a, a run stunt. Why? Your corners at times, especially Cam Hart to the field, is a little slow to react at, to things. You saw the two slant routes he got beat on the see, like the, Notre Dame forced a what three and out, four and out on the first drive of the game, three and out. Mm. Cam Hart got beat on both of those plays. Quarterback yep. just missed. Yep. And and so you know they ended up hitting those and eventually started getting plays on him. And it, he was flat footing. He was slow to react. So I'm not seeing a unit in week two that looked as aggressive, as, as quick to react in week one, which raises the question of why. And those are all questions that the coaching staff needs to ask themselves as to, as what, to what their role is in these things being realities. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing, Ryan, is if they're not willing to do that, then that's going to change. If they are willing to do that, and I, and I think that they are, then you have to, then I think you'll start finding some answers on, okay, what are we doing here? Is it a personnel thing? I don't really think it is. Is it a, well, to a degree, uh, is it a preparation thing? Are they uncertain of what the other team is doing? Like, are we as a coach step not doing enough in the film room to prepare them to what they're going to see? Mm-hmm. Or are we asking so much of them on our end that they're paralysis by analysis or they're getting confused? Because we're, we saw things on Saturday, Ryan, that Marshall saw something in the film against Ohio State that made them say we can kill them in the flats all game long. And they did. Yeah. Yeah. With simple things like going in motion and running an under route and knowing that Notre Dame's going to, you know, try and, you know, are they going to pass that off or, and then they were late, you know, you got Xavier Watts stepping down and they're running outside of them. You've got Ramon Henderson, not getting outside. You had the one play where Ramon Henderson and Maris Lufau on third nine are looking in the backfield as a, as a guy runs an under route right through them to get wide open clearly whatever you're doing in practice as a coach isn't clicking yeah and at least it was this week now you can put a complex scheme in when you have a whole offseason to prepare for it but can you do that when you've got three or four practices clearly in at least for one week you didn't so you got to ask yourself was it a bad week or is there a structural problem that we need to fix to make sure this doesn't happen again it has to be a complexity issue because it seems like everyone's just going. Everyone's moving a little slow. If I'm being honest, like we talked about this on on the on the show yesterday, and I think that it's the same type of thing here, Brian. Like, I think that it's something where you don't have to overthink it. I mean, against Ohio State, I literally had a person that covers Ohio State text me and say, like, "Wow, Notre Dame's cornerbacks they they just absolutely smothered the the Ohio State wide receivers. Yeah. We haven't seen people get that physical with Ohio State's corners. You're like, wow, that's a great sign." But in the, in the game number two, I felt like there was no aggressiveness in that regard, right. Brian. And I don't understand that one, especially because I'm not, I wasn't worried about Marshall's 
wide receivers getting on top no. of Notre Dame's corners. Like, I'm not worried about that. Why are we not being more aggressive? Like, you can right. take chances, in my opinion. And defensive line-wise, why are we doing – I don't want to call it exotic because I wouldn't say it's exotic, but mm-hmm. a three-man front with Tuck and Justin Adam Malola as a stacked player. Like, I don't understand. Why are we not just f- staying in a four-man front – and taking the shackles off and letting them go, man. Right. Why do you not let Maris Loifel just play with his hair on fire? Like, there's so many things where I'm just like, are they? I, I feel like it, we, they, there's an overcomplicated nature to this defense right now. I do. I really do. Because I think mm-hmm. that one thing that we came into the year and we saw it in the spring and in the fall for the availability we had, Notre Dame looked fast on defense, man. Like, they were moving. Yeah. In, the, in this game, especially, and a little bit against Ohio State at points. Notre Dame didn't look fast. Like they don't look fast. And I it's, thought it's, I thought they looked fast on the second level against Ohio State mm-hmm. I, or third level. I thought yeah. they looked passive on the because we talked about the linebackers looking passive in the first game. Yeah, and we saw it again this game, and that should not be the case for Maris Lufau and JD Bertrand. It should not nope. be the case. Should not be. And and so yes, I think that you're right. This is now two games in a row that we have seen that kind of. And again. It's knowing the difference, and an and analyst that you should listen to is someone who should know the difference between someone being slow and someone running slow, and I'm going to say that every single day that we have this conversation when I'm hearing people talk about Notre Dame has an athleticism problem. No. They don't, because that was not their issue last year, and it's the same guys, basically, as they had last year. Maris Loisal is fast. Cam Hart is fast. Isaiah Foskey is fast. All these guys are fast players. That's why right. it's confusing why they don't look fast right now. Right. So I think when you look at it, Ryan, the first thing that I look at defensively is I think the linebackers especially, they have to figure out why they're playing so passively. Is it what they're asking them to do? And then then because like, you know, here here's a concern. This is I'm just throwing this out there. You know, in the NFL, when you have professional athletes who are grown men and have been in the NFL for a few years, you can say, Hey, look, we can have you react later because you have the size, strength, and technique that you need to to know how to play the angles and and still force things back inside. You can't ask that of college linebackers, in my opinion, unless they're freaks. And and so if they're asking them to do that, that needs to change, right? And identify the run, get your read key, and go. And that's something I wonder too that makes me think there's a complexity problems. I don't know if they know what the if they're if they're getting good feel on the read keys. Because like there was a play on Saturday where it was an inside zone run and they ran like a like a wing back across to block to the backside and Jack Kaiser runs right past the running back chasing the tight end across the field. Yeah, like it was a clear run. It was clear he was clearly going backside to block and he's chasing him across like he's covering him in man defense. And you're like, that's clearly a, a, that's, a senior who's yeah. played a lot of football who couldn't decipher that this was an inside zone run. And if he steps right into the hole. And squeezes down, he's right there to take it. And so I don't know if that was the, his what he was asked to do or what he just made a mistake. I don't know the answer, but I know that a kid like Jack Kaiser should should not be making that mistake. And it's one of those things where I could sit here and hammer Jack Kaiser for that, and we saw that a few times. Or I could say, if Jack Kaiser's making that mistake, that's got to tell you something. It's one thing for Maris to make mistakes because he hasn't played a lot of football. But yeah. when you're seeing Jack Kaiser make those kind of mistakes – that raises a red flag for me that's saying, hey, I think there's a chance you're asking these guys to do a little bit too much. Too much thinking, not enough reacting. Because the linebackers have been – I mean, this was expected to be a better unit this year. Yep. Not only have they not been better than last year, they've been worse than last year, in my opinion, Ryan. Their, their play has gone down. And you got the same guys as last year, basically, except Drew White. 
and you've added Maris Lulfau. Yeah, That's concerning to me, and that's why I say, yes, the players need to look in a mirror, but there's more to it than that, in my opinion. And I don't quite – I'll be honest, I don't quite know what the answer is. I don't. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's a problem that's got to be addressed, and I don't know if it's schematically meaning scale things back or if it's schematically being mean, being mean, being meaning being more aggressive with your run stunts. You know, yeah. hit, hit your linebackers, use your gaps, because what they were doing Saturday was – and it happened – by my count, at least seven or eight times, is the two interior linemen would vacate the A-gaps, mm-hmm. and then the linebackers would just stand there and let blockers get up to them and block them. Yep. Now, clearly, that's not how they were taught to do it. But for whatever reason, whether one of the defensive linemen mess, messed up, whether the, one of the linebackers was supposed to crash one of the A-gaps, I don't know the answer to that. But when that's happening over and over and over, and Marshall is just like, running five, six, seven yards with ease. Ryan, that's a preparation problem, in my opinion, because your guys are not executing effectively. And that yep. that tells me that you didn't do a good enough job getting them ready to play, and that's something that's got to get better. And I don't, I don't know how to fix that. I do know, however, it's got to get fixed, because if your linebackers keep playing anything close to what they've done the first two games, this is not getting fixed. I don't care what the defensive line does. There's so there's just so much miscommunication. I mean, we were texting during the game about this, man. Like we were talking, you know, in large part about, you know, some of the stuff, the secondary as well. But I mean, the biggest miscommunication I saw throughout the game was to your point. I saw guys in the same gap a lot ton, right? And Notre Dame is a one gap defense. They're a one gap defense, which means every player is designed to occupy a gap. And for whatever reason, there were times a lot throughout this game where, Howard Cross or whoever the other defensive tackle was would slant outside from the A-gap, being now a B-gap player, and for whatever reason, the linebacker was still acting like he was responsible for that B-gap. So you have two guys occupying one gap, which means there's a gap left wide open. I don't know why. I, I also mentioned Jack Kaiser at one point, Brian. like He he took like a 45-degree drop. It was an inside zone play where he was tucked. It was against like 12 personnel. I'm like – Jack, you're a run first player inside the box, right. man. Like I don't, I don't get it. Like I'm it's like he's trying to play rover in the will alignment. I mean, exactly. It was weird. And which yeah, is, we're going to get to that here in a second as well. Yeah, because yeah. because I mean, yeah, because he's stacked. He's tucked inside the tackle box. I'm just like I don't understand what the the key is here. I don't understand what the read. I mean, usually like you mentioned, like the cross action on the zone, right? Like usually, I mean, linebackers are run first players, right? So like you diagnose run, you fill your gap. The cross stuff doesn't happen until you've kind of have been like oh snap it's it's a pass play like i need to redirect here in space now and and occupy the pass like linebackers are run first players so i i think that there is a lot of miscommunication right now especially Mm -hmm. on the second level gap integrity reading keys everything just seems a little jumbled right now and i'm not sure why that is i'm really not because i I haven't noticed anything on defense that I'm like, this is over complexed, but I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's very odd right well, now. What, it's what can happen is out. Ryan is when you're asking guys to, to, this is what the issue with, with Brian Van Gorder was. And I am not comparing out golden to Brian Van Gorder. We're two games in. I'm just simply making the point. It wasn't so much that they had a million different things. It's that the slightest little movement from the offense could result in massive changes of what they're supposed to do. So, hey, this is called, and if they do this, 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 or this, or this, or this, it all changes what you're going to do. That's a lot for these guys to be able to do, to look at and do. And it, it a lot of times the, the pe- 
being passive comes from not so much that they're running a million different schemes, but they have a million different checks that they got to go through in their head to make sure that they know what they're doing. And so, you know, I think to me, that's something that I want to see fixed and see corrected is maybe scale some of that. But again, these are things that we're talking about that we think can be problems. I'm not, I don't know the specific play calls. I don't know the specific coverage checks. What I do know is as I've done this a long time. And when I was an offensive coach and I would break down film when I'd see linebackers playing the way that Notre Dame's are, I'd say, these guys are, are not confident in what they're doing. And we're going to, and I, and I all of a sudden thought of like 10 different things we could do to get these guys thinking, because if we get linebackers thinking, we're going to rip them apart with run game, with quick game, with screen game, with play action will kill them because they're not going to have a clue what's going on. Motions and shifts are going to kill them because they're going to be communicating as we're snapping the ball. You know, you start seeing that as an offense, offensive coach, you start salivating because you know why they're playing that way. They're either soft or they're they're being passive because they're uncertain of what they're doing. I don't think a single one of those Notre Dame linebackers are soft. Mm-hmm. I don't. And and anyone that thinks they are, I'd love for you to meet any single one of them in an alley one time and call them that to their face. They're not soft. They're playing passive. And that's the difference. And they're playing passive because there's a lot going on up here. And as I said in an article this week, if your mind is, you know, if your minds can't go fast, then your legs can't go fast. Right. Mm-hmm. And if your mind is is having trouble going getting figuring things out, then your legs are going to have trouble getting figuring things out. And and that's what we're seeing at linebacker, especially. And to me, that's arguably the biggest problem that Notre Dame has right now has just been the subpar play of their linebackers. And yeah, their defensive line has not played well, but there's plenty of times the defensive line kind of did their job, didn't do it great, but they did their job. And the linebackers are nowhere to be found. Because mm-hmm. when there's five blockers and only four D linemen, you know, especially if you're doing a thing where you're, it, it, there's a lot of times it doesn't look like they're being used to penetrate and make a play. And, you know, I'd like to see more of that, but the linebacker play has got to get better. It's got to get a lot better. And the coach has got to figure out what are we doing to making them play this way. Right. And if it's not you, then you need to find somebody else to play. And hopefully the coaches don't have that reaction because it, when it's happening across the board to veterans, that's, mm-hmm. that's as much of a you problem as, as it is a them problem. And matter of fact, I'd argue, Ryan, it's more of a you problem as a coach than it is a them problem. It, it, I, I've always believed this, Ryan. Mm-hmm. when one of your players is not doing something uh, as a coach or maybe two, you can look at them and say, Hey, why is, why are those two kids not doing what everybody else is doing? And you can look at it and say, this is, this is a, a player problem. Now I got to figure out a way to address this player problem. When it is happening across the board of your position, that is 100% a coach problem because mm-hmm. whatever you think you're teaching is not clicking in their head. And it's I've used this example in the past. If you are a advanced calculus professor at Notre Dame and you're trying to teach a bunch of ninth graders calculus the same way you do your seniors at Notre Dame, guess what? Those eighth graders or ninth graders in high school are not going to know have a clue what the heck you're talking about, right? So you've got to be able to teach to a in a way, no matter how smart you are, you've got to be able to teach in a way that your players can then take what you're teaching them and then apply it. Right. And it's no different in football than it is in teaching in regard to tests and projects and things like that. You could be smart as heck. But if your students, if your players can't learn and absorb and then carry out what you're teaching them, then then the problem is you. Yep. If it's across the board. And 
that's why I say that I think from a linebacker standpoint that this is more of a coaching problem than it is necessarily a personnel problem. It's a self-evaluation opportunity, right? And and I I mean, honestly, Brian, like I was always told that you always look at yourself first, right? Like you don't look around and blame others, right? So I, I, I have to think Al Golden's been coaching a long time, right? He's been coaching a long time. And I'm sure that he's looking around and saying, what am, what do I need to do differently to get a better result defensively, consistently? And I, I have to believe that, that that's where this is going right now. So if that is – I know you hate the word simplifying, but if that is simplifying the defense well, a little bit. I hate the way is, that it's perceived. Yes. Like I feel like simplify – you know, people like, oh, simplification. It's just an overused term. Yeah. You know, kind of like – Oh, you just got to simplify. Well, what do you want to do? Run like two calls, right? <laughs> it's it's more about scaling. That's why I've, I've kind of gone with the term scale back. Yep. Scale back the volume of what you're implying. Because I just feel like simplification is be simplify things has kind of become like this generic term that people use when they don't know specifically what to say. Well, you just got to simplify things. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a cliche now. And mm-hmm. that's why I hate it, even though scaling back is simplifying. I mean, it's the same thing, but I just feel like when you use that word, it automatically has, uh, it just drives me nuts the way that it gets used. Well, as a former math teacher, yes, I can agree that scaling down and simplifying are the same thing. So (laughs) sorry. It's just the same thing, but when you say it, yeah, like that's my thing. It's not connotation. Yeah. It's just like, and it's something that like everybody uses now, like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you got to simplify. Oh, okay. What, how, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Well, I just got to simplify. Oh, okay. Well, some they analysts th- keep they some analysts keep it broad. Yeah, they ran three plays on Saturday. How much more simplified can you get? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just feel like it's a, it's just a generic term that's, that people have uh, adopted on. Maybe I'm just being a little too, you know, too sensitive to what's said on message boards and Twitters and all this kind of stuff. That there's just these, you know, these buzzwords that people hear and then mm-hmm. they start using whenever something's not going right. Oh, it's a simplifier. They got to do this. You got to do that. You know, it's like, well, you don't really know what that means. You know, and you're not really using that correctly. And and so that's more of what it is. But yes, please continue, no. Ryan. No, no, it, no, is, I, it is a simplification. It is. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, whether you want to call it simplifying or scaling down, I agree that I think that I think that the defense moving forward needs to accentuate the player's strengths and they need to get them going, honestly. Right. I mean, we, t- we talked a lot yesterday about getting Drew Pine in rhythm early, right, in this fall game against Cal. Notre Dame needs to get a couple of their studs in rhythm if I'm being honest, defensively, man, like they need to get Isaiah Foskey going. You need to get Jason Adam Alola a, a opportunity to get a one-on-one in some situations. You need to get Maris Loifel getting downhill and being a little bit quicker of a processor for the role that he's playing. So I think just overall across the board, this is a game where you need to see growth, but in order for there to be growth, I think there's a rhythm that needs to kind of be, be struck defensively, right. right? Like those that my main priority on defense, if I was Al Golden and the rest of the staff is, hey, we know that we have these guys that are dudes, in our opinion, that are extremely talented. We need to get them going, right? So how do we get them going? Do we have movement up front? Do we just say, hey, screw it. We're going to go four mm-hmm. fronts the whole game and just let the shackles go. Are we going to let – are we going to minimize the uh, the 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 um the reads for a Maris Loifel so he plays a little bit faster so he doesn't have to think as much? Are you going to mm-hmm. say, hey, Cam Hart, get in the guy's face and just play press man the majority of the snaps and just play your game? Whatever those little intricacies to how you play each of those positions happens, 
I'm open to it. At the end of the day, you need to get your guys, and we're going back. I mean, I, I just kind of coupled two things together, Brian, but I'm saying you need to simplify things most of all, in my opinion, for the stars that you have. So yeah. going back to the first point about getting your stars going again, I think that that's where the simplification yeah. comes for because if you let those guys not think as much, they're going to play faster. If they play faster, I say Fast is going to start making more plays. Maris Lloyd is going to make more plays. Cam Hart's going to make more plays. They're all going to make more plays if you just ask them to not do as much, but do what they're doing well. Be mm-hmm. comfortable with what you're doing. Right. I think for the linebackers too, Ryan, one of the mistakes they made, and it made me cringe at the time, but I said, you know what? Clearly they see something, and they, and you know exactly where I'm going to go with this. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, they, they're in practice. They, they must see it, is when they start talking about how they're cross-training all the linebackers. Yeah. And, and that – that was like, oh, okay, well, we'll see how that goes. And and I think that's a problem too. They need to let Maris Lulafau get good at playing Will first before they worry about him playing Mike or Rover. They need to let Jarek Jack Kaiser be really, really good at Rover first before they start playing him at Will and all these other positions. And same thing with J.D. Bertrand. They need to let these guys become masters of something first. Mm-hmm. And and it's you know like the like they're not even jacks of all trades right now because they're doing so much like they're not even that let them become masters of one thing first let them learn will first yeah and then figure out and if you need somebody else to play mike then put your next mike in the game or if you need somebody else to play will then put your next will in the game let prince collie learn will and let maris learn will let jack kaiser learn rover and let jalen sneed learn rover you know and same thing down down along the line so I think those things for me could also help with this because now I don't have to learn the checks and the adjustments for three different positions. I can just learn them for one first. Then when Mm -hmm. you get that down, then you can do all those other things because there is carryover from position to position, a linebacker. But if you don't have the one mastered first, then you're just going to become kind of okay at all of them. And okay. Doesn't win you a lot of football games. You you know, it's funny that you mention it because we haven't talked about this, but I remember I mentioned something to you briefly when the first depth chart came out before Ohio State. The fact that J.D. Bertrand was listed as the backup rover and Jack Kaiser was listed as the backup will, that worried me, man. And it really did at the time because I was like, are we asking these guys to do a little too much? And I think that that is what you're running into right now. Guys just have the, the wheels are turning too fast, man. The wheels are moving faster. Then what their feet are moving right, like that. You said that term already, like that uh, little little structure, right? Mm-hmm. So it is troubling because I, I mean, because what what has Notre Dame done really well in the recruiting trial the last two cycles now, right? Recruited the linebacker position. Right. Well, can we let some of those guys play a little bit? I'm not right. saying like take over starting spots. I'm saying why don't we simplify again? Let's right. a couple guys be really good at Will, a couple guys be really good at Mike, a couple guys be really good at Rover, exactly what you just said. And we can if if we get to the point where Maris Loyfow is such a good will that you don't have to worry about him as much or learning the will position, and then you could start kind of cross-training and accentuating even more of the strengths in a different position, then that's fine. But especially for a guy like him who I mean, what did he have in 2020, Brian? He had like 20-something tackles, right? And then he missed 2021 with an injury. Like, why are we worried about cross-training right now with a guy that you just need to get going? Like, he just needs to get going and comfortable with what he's doing. And there's just there's not a lot of comfort right now on the second level. And that's going to be a key here this week. How do they get that fixed? Because it's got to get fixed quickly. So I think take a little bit off their plates from a, you know, playing different position standpoint. And we talked about this with the offense yesterday too, is like, look, 
you know, Lorenzo Styles is capable of playing all three receiver positions, and Jaden Thomas is as well. I think a mistake that we made is in our analysis is the same one that the coaches made. So I'm going to be fair to them. They thought that these kids could play different positions when in reality they're, they're, they're not. And so uh, I think that's something that needs to get, uh, get corrected is, uh, is allow these kids to figure, figure out what you're being asked to do first before you start doing other things. I think that's going to, that's going to be a big part of this, Ryan. So when yep. you look at the defense, I think that's a that's a big part of it. And I think the uh, that's leading to another problem, Ryan, when you look at this defense is this defense is not making a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're making stops because teams aren't scoring, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're, they're not giving up a lot of points. They gave up 19 points to Marshall. They gave up 21 points to Ohio State. That's not great. But that's good enough to be two and zero, Ryan. I mean, that I mean, if you're giving up nineteen and twenty one points every game, and your offense has a pulse, you're gonna be you're gonna win, right? Well, they're not winning because their offense doesn't have a pulse right now. Yeah. But within that is is there are some red flags for me that we're seeing from the defense that okay, yeah, you're you're keeping team t- teams down now, but as you, as the as the offensive competition upticks a little bit and you don't have a whole month to prepare for some of these offenses like North Carolina and BYU and Clemson and and USC is what is what is your what's it going to look like and so when i look at Notre Dame's like disruptive numbers they're concerning to me Ryan and you know like Notre Dame for example has yet to force a turnover in two games and they just played a team as we discussed last week in Marshall that's terrible turning the ball over Norfolk State forced a turnover for Marshall, you know, and and Notre Dame couldn't tur- force a turnover for Marshall. That that to me is is really problematic. Is there's there's not a lot of disruption going on. A matter of fact, Norfolk State forced two turnovers. No, they only won. I was looking at the game. They they forced one turnover, which is one more than what Notre Dame had. But when I look at these numbers, Ryan, I, I, I'm I'm concerned because you look at Notre Dame. They're 74th in the nation in total tackles for loss. Uh, look at it, sacks. They're 69th in sacks. They've got four. You look at interceptions. They've yet to force an interception. Uh, you look at other things like pass breakups. They have had very, very few pass breakups uh, this year. So Notre Dame right now in passes defense is tied for 127th with Syracuse, App State, Colorado, and Charlotte for last with two passes defense in in two games. Now you could chalk it up in the opener. Like, ah, oh, you know, CJ Stroud was putting the ball where it needed to be. You can't chalk it up to that against Marshalls. Henry Columbia. Sorry. Yeah. You know, a guy that has been a kind of a turnover machine in his career uh, so far. And, and a know? journey and a journeyman. There's a reason right. he's at three, been at three different schools. Right? right. I mean, yeah. So that's problematic to me too. And again, I think a lot of that is because guys aren't playing as instinctively as they need to play and they're not playing fast. Yep. And so the lack of disruption is another big red flag for me that what you have to do is you have to be able to look past just the score of the first two games and say, well, defense did what they need to do to win. Sort of, right? Because clearly they didn't because they didn't win, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, the defense has has done enough to win, but did they did they do enough to earn the win? No, they didn't. And in both times – and here's here's why it's a red flag. In both games, when you needed to make a stop, you couldn't make a stop. Why? Because you're not disruptive. You can't force tackles for loss. You can't get sacks in clutch situations. You can't break up passes on first and 10. You can't force turnovers. So when you need a stop, you're not able to make stops. 
Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the offense has sucked the first two games. I mean, we've been pretty clear about that. But, again, you had a fourth-quarter lead, and you lost it because you allowed them to go over 90 yards and score a touchdown. That's not the offense's fault. Now, should the offense have scored the previous drive to go up 22-12? Yeah, but you got the ball back with with the lead, and you gave up a 90-plus yard touchdown. That's not the offense's fault. That's yours. Offense was on the – they were on the field. Too. It's Marshall. It's Marshall, Okay. So the defense is not doing what it needs to do, and it and it maybe it's good enough now, but it's not going to continue to be good enough if these problems persist. And they all sort of tie together to me, Ryan. The the volume of what they're being asked to do schematically and formationally is then leading to a lot of thinking and not a lot of playing. We're seeing guys not being aggressive. We're not seeing guys attacking. And what is that leading to, Ryan? A defense that's not overly disruptive. And you're going to need that quickly if you're gonna get going and here's the other thing if you where are you guys at and helping your offense get sparked how about we not force the offense to go 85 90 yards every time they get the ball right how about you don't allow the team to move and then eventually stop them and then you, you your offense is pinned back inside the 10 right that's on you right because mm-hmm. you should have made a stop way back there at your own 15 right i mean you had third nine inside the 10 yard line against marshall on saturday it's not the offense's fault that they gave up the flats and allowed the easiest third and nine conversion in the history of college football. I'm being hyperbolic, but you get the point. That's not on the offense. You make a stop there, Marshall's punting, and you're giving your offense a chance again at midfield to get something going. Maybe they don't do something about it. Maybe they do. But if all you do is just make stops in the fourth quarter, you win the game. Yeah. You didn't do it. I, I think the, the, the key thing that I agree 100% on is the – Turnovers come when you're playing fast, right? Whether that is jumping a route, whether that is forcing a turn, whether it is forcing a fumble from behinds, whatever. The hustle usually kind of forces some turnovers at times. And it's a luck thing at points, but then it's also a skill to force turnovers, you know, baiting a throw or playing until the whistle from the backside on plays and doing that, those types of things. So the previous point, I'm trying to really to, combine points here because I think they are all interrelated and the fact is is if they're not confident in what they're doing they're not going to play fast and I think that's the reason why you haven't seen them be able to force turnovers or force big plays just in general because they're not playing fast and they're all intertwined right confidence leads to speed speed leads to making plays Notre Dame's not making plays are they technically sound in a lot of instances Yes, sure. I mean, against Ohio State, they were. Like, they didn't give up a ton of big plays against Ohio State. They they kept everything in front of them. They tackled pretty well in that game for the most part until late in the fourth, you know, until the fourth quarter. They started missing some tackles. Marshall, the missed tackles kind of shown its head a little bit more. But for the most part, they had guys that were in position. I just felt like it's such a passive position all the time, right? Like, it's not a position where you are dictating the speed of the game. You are reacting to the speed of the game. And that I think is the biggest difference right now is they're not playing fast. And until they're confident they're playing fast, they're not going to cause a bunch of plays. They're not going to force a bunch of plays. I'm going to throw this at you, Ryan, and you tell me if you agree or disagree. I would argue that they haven't missed a ton of tackles, but my question would be, and this is a rhetorical question because I know you know know the answer. Who have they played in the first two games that is a make-you-miss kind of player? They haven't really played one. So my concern is what happens when they play teams that do have those kind of athletes? North Carolina has some guys like that. Uh, Clemson has some guys like that. USC has some guys like that. BC has a guy like that. 
Yep. You know, so so you're going to face some teams that have a little bit more make you miss than what we saw the first two games. Yep. And and so so that's my thing is I I think part of the reason they haven't missed a lot of tackles is because these teams haven't had a lot of make you miss kind of guys. They had some really bad mistakes on Saturday, right? And and, and yeah. when they were put in in clutch situation, they did have missed tackles, like on that long drive at the end of the game. So that's kind of my thing is, is is I still see some red flags even in that regard because you're seeing too many defenders mainly so you're seeing an issue with block destruction on the perimeter and it was mm-hmm. it was an issue against Ohio State and it was still an issue against Marshall you're seeing like there was a play they ran a bubble screen and Ramon Henderson just gets sealed off outside and it's just like dude you know what I'm seeing too Ryan there's a lot of stopping their feet on defense oh yeah like that's why they're getting reached so easily it was we talked about against Ohio State it was the same thing there it's part of the reason I think that Isaiah Foskey has not been effective. One of the things I've seen him do is kind of come off and hit guys and then kind of stop his feet. And so what he would normally do last year, which he would kind of rip his hips and then do the long arm and then drive a guy back. I'm not seeing that. That to yep. me is a bit of a coaching problem to me because you're seeing when, again, when you see things across the board, it's a coaching problem. The reason that I'm not blaming Notre Dame's struggles on offense on alignment or two and saying this is a coaching problem is because it's an across the board problem. The reason mm-hmm. I'm not blaming Jaden Thomas alone for route issues or Braden Lindsay or because we're seeing it across the board. Now, I am blaming individual players for their effort at times, like we talked about with Jaden on that on that interception. But when you're seeing guys stopping their feet across the board on the D-line, that's a coaching problem. When you're right. seeing linebackers as a whole play passively and just blow assignments, including veterans like Jack Kaiser, right, who's I think you and I would both agree is a pretty smart football player that didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of MAs last year, in my opinion. And and to see him just completely whiff on a clear inside zone because he's chasing the guy across tells me that kid was not sure of, of he was not sure of what he was reading or how he was reading it. And when when a kid like Jack Kaiser makes a play like that, Ryan, like warning signs start like screaming in my head. You know what I mean? Like air raid sirens are going off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, whoa, hold on a second. And so that's to me a, a, an issue. Right. And we had a question, too, that somebody asked, and it's a fair question. But mm-hmm. again, I don't think it's necessarily the issue here. And I do want to I do want to pull this question up because it goes along with what we're what we're talking about here. And and Jeff DeMonk asks, and, and I appreciate this, Jeff. Brian, he says, Brian, when you mention complex defensive scheme, all I hear is Van Gorder. Yikes. And I can completely understand Jeff. And Jeff also gave us a super chat, which I really, really appreciate. And it was good to see you at the tailgate on Saturday, buddy. But. Here's a difference, and I, and I completely understand why people would ask this question, Ryan. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a very fair question. It There's a – like Brian Van Gorder's schemes were complex and unsound. I think Mike Elko's defense was complex and sound. I think mm-hmm. – I don't think the defense for Notre Dame is necessarily unsound when it's executed. So that that's – like John Tenuta's defense was complex and unsound. Yes, <laughs> there's there, you know, Brent Venable's defense is complex, but sound. And there's a difference. And I don't think that structurally, I don't have really an issue with what Notre Dame is doing per se. There's a couple things that I would do differently from a game plan standpoint against mm-hmm. Marshall. They should have been, and we'll get into some of these things because it, it's going to be true against Cal. It's going to be true against North Carolina, but structurally, I don't have an issue with the defensive philosophy or the play calls. It's the execution of them and why the execution isn't there. Because execution can be a player problem. Hey, I taught you what to do, and you didn't do it. Execution can also be a coaching problem where you didn't do a good enough job teaching them and preparing them on how to execute there properly. Brian Van Gorder did both of those things wrong. 
He didn't Oof. teach them, and it was unsound. And that's what made his defense woefully bad. This is not that. This is also something that can be correctable like that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And and so you just hope that they're going to do it, Ryan. That's the key. So that is the difference, and I want to make sure people understand, Ryan. This isn't a, uh-oh, Brian Van Gorder era type of thing. And no. and, and there's a difference there. in my Because the other thing is they hear NFL – and all of a sudden, it's like, uh-oh, not every NFL defensive coordinator is Brian Van Gorder, right? That was a yeah. Brian Van Gorder problem, not a NFL, you hired an NFL coach problem. And Al Golden comes with a lot better resume than Brian Van Gorder came with, too. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, like, it, it's just great. That's, that's an apples to oranges type of thing, right? And look, I know people don't want to see this, hear this, but sometimes there's a little bit of a transitional thing that takes a little bit of time. And I know, again... I don't think I did enough jo- a good enough job of this in the summer of kind of saying like, hey, this may this may not be like a day one fix, right? right? Like this might take a couple games. I'll take the blame for that one. I don't think I did a good enough job of accepting that like, hey, this is a brand new coach to say, a brand new system. We're not brand new, but different wrinkles to the system. And it might take a little bit for it to get implemented properly. Like that may I'm, have been. I'm going to push back on you a little bit. Right? I think we yeah. could have, we should have done a better job. Like we would say things like we would talk about them like, well, now we need to see it. Well, the right. now we need to see it was the warning part. We didn't do a good enough job in our, in my opinion, I'll be honest of saying mm-hmm. if here's what will happen. If this, you know, here's what some of the dangers could be. Mm. Right. And here's what some of the concerns should be. That's on us. Yeah. Now, what I will say, however, is I don't I don't think that that the adjustment should have been what it has been, because I still think that is on the coaching staff to say, don't start this way until they prove to you that they can be this way. Like we have two polar opposite things going on on offense right now. Like the Notre Dame offensive coaches are like, well, we're not going to put a guy in there until we fully trust him entirely. And that's why Tobias Merriweather has zero snaps, which is freaking absurd, by the way. And, and then on defense, it's kind of like, well, we're just throwing a lot at them and then throwing them out there and hoping that they figure it out kind of thing. But that the problem there is, yeah. is those it's easier to – it's easier – and people say, well, did they not see it in practice? No, they didn't. Because in practice, things are so scripted that you can kind of convince yourself that, no, we, we got this. And, and I've always kind of felt like st- start with what you know and then build on it, right? I mean, that's my thing is is figure out what you're good at and then get really good at that, then build on that. And I don't think that they necessarily did that, in my opinion. So we should have warned that that was the danger of that. But I, do, I think if they – here's the thing. If they would have simple, if they would have done things that we're talking about a month ago, are we having the same problem after two games? I don't think so. And this Probably is also not. a defense that a week ago we were talking about how great they looked against Ohio State. Yep. Right? So this also could be a letdown game. But there's also enough red flags to say it can't just be as simple and as easy as saying letdown game because there were some structural things that we saw that kind of permeated both games mm-hmm. that are problematic and they need to get fixed. So yeah. the Van Gorder thing is, is fair. I, I love the fact that you want to take ownership of that, and, and we, we all need to do that because, again, we're, we both predicted them to be a playoff team. They're clearly not. You know, but yeah. – but what are the reasons why? And 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 they should have known these things going in and right. some of these things going in. Some of these things you don't know. And this is what we've talked about before, because you when you don't get a scrimmage, anybody, you really don't know. And and so you may think like, well, hey, we think we're pretty good. 
but it's because maybe you're not playing a team that's as good as you think that, you know, in practices they should be those types well, of things. It's, it's, it's cause in practice a lot, Brian, like, you know, you're, you're running team for, let's say, and you know, someone does something wrong, you teach him up and run it again, run it again. Right. right? Like you, you get a mulligan in practice. Like you right. don't get any mulligans during the game, no. you know, like you don't get second chances. That's where it comes down and to, right? It's so, plays against what you think you're going to see. And right. what Marcus Freeman has noted and what other coaches have noted is teams have shown us things that we haven't seen. Well, yeah. So every good coach is going to do like, that's I would always try to find what can we do? Like, cause it's study your, study your, your, you're self-scouting yourself studying yourself we have a tendency i really like running inside zone out of this so Mm -hmm. i've got to be real intentional in my game planning and play calling to not always run inside zone out of the way that i like it the most and figure out other ways to run it so teams don't get a read on us and there's going to be things that i'm going to see in what you do that i'm going to say hey look we don't really have this play in but we need to get this play in because I see holes in this, what this team is doing. So we'll add a real simple fix or a real simple wrinkle to what we're doing to exploit you. So guess what? You're not going to have seen that on film, but that's not an excuse because every team does that. And if your offense isn't doing that, then that's a problem with your offense, Yep. not anything else, you know? And so that is the danger of going against your softball camp because you kind of, you know what your offense is going to do because you see it every single day. Well, yep. Marshall did so throw some wrinkles in their end that they weren't prepared for, but they should have been, and they should have mm-hmm. been able to adjust quicker. And that's the other thing too, is they never just Marshall knew for 60 minutes, Marshall knew when we need to get to the flats, we can. And Notre Dame never did anything to fix it. Now maybe they tried and it did get executed, which goes all the way back to point number one, whatever you're doing, your kids aren't figuring out yet. And I think mm-hmm. that's a, that's a unique problem to Notre Dame when you talk about the big time football, because I think coaches can get these Notre Dame kids and they are really smart. Yes. And they can really pick stuff up in practice and they're really can pick stuff up in the meeting room. And then they get the games and they're not able to handle it as well, because there's a big difference between me mentally being able to do something when I'm sitting there in the film room, or like you said, I made that mistake in practice, but I'll go out there and do it again. Or when there's just not yeah. the pressure of 80,000 people there in the do crowd you, that you can yeah. do those. Things. And do you, do you think, from your experience, Brian, do you think that that's a coaching flaw at Notre Dame sometimes? Because oh, yeah. not only not only just from the, I'm not talking about this staff specifically. Oh. I'm saying just in general, coaches come in and say these are smart kids; they can handle it. I can throw anything at them, and they can handle it. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I and and again, I think part of that is just because a kid is smart academically doesn't mean he's smart in football. Like sure. you know, I, I've I've known kids. I went to a had a kid in high school that was a really, really smart kid. He's mm-hmm. one of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life when it came to common sense. Like, just just an idiot. But he was really book smart. Just because you're book smart doesn't mean you're going to be football smart. And just right. because, I mean, you and I have known this, there are guys who can barely read and write mm-hmm. who were phenomenal football players and the Hall of Fame football players. I mean, we've heard these stories, right? Like, was it Dexter Manley, Manley, right? Exactly. Yeah, Dexter Manley. Like, yeah, barely exactly. literate. And but uh-huh. was a great football because he had he he knew he knew the game. He was smart in this area. You'll have yeah. guys that you know dropped out of high school in the you know ninth or tenth grade that are brilliant mechanics, and you trust no one else with your car because they have mastered their craft. They may not be good in English and whatever, but they're they're great in this. Right? Yep. You have people that are great business owners that can't that are great you know they may own a mechanic shop but they don't have the slightest clue on how to change oil why because they hire people that are good at that but they know how to run a business yep. and so i think there's there's that can certainly happen and i think these are smart kids 
but you you've got to with anything they didn't get to that part by jumping into advanced classes in the sixth grade they eventually learned and then they're their expertise kind of took over. So I do sure. believe that that is an issue that needs to be addressed. And we see it a lot and you need to scale it back. Let them master this first, then go. Cause to mm-hmm. your point, Ryan, if the talent is what we think it is, and there's a lot of people saying, Oh, you guys are all wrong on the talent and all this other kind of stuff. And, and maybe, maybe, but that's a real easy, lazy excuse to make. Because again, you may say, well, maybe their talent's not good enough to play with Clemson or whatever. You outplayed Ohio State for over half the game, and you're telling me that talent wasn't good enough to beat Marshall? Or maybe the talent is there, but they're not playing well. And I've and I could when Ohio State, the last time Ohio State won a national title was what year? 2014, right? Mm-hmm. They struggled with Navy, who was not that good that year, beat them 34-17. It was an ugly game. Went out the next week and lost at home by two touchdowns to Virginia Tech, who went seven and six that year. Did Ohio State have a talent problem or do they have a getting the most out of their talent problem? Well, that team went on to win the Big Ten Championship 59 nothing, and then beat Alabama and then beat Oregon in the championship game 49 to 20. So, what happened against Virginia Tech? Did they all of a sudden sub out all new players? Or were they just not, as a team, were not where they needed to be early on? USC in 2016 is a perfect example. As We've talked about them over the summer and in the past, and we've talked about, you know, what is the one benefit of expanding the playoff, which I'm not a big fan of? You're going to have some teams like USC 2016 that are going to make the playoff and do damage. Why? That team started one in three. Yeah, They lost to Alabama 52-6. to six. By the end of the year, that USC team could play with anybody. And why did now they they made some personnel changes that were already mm-hmm. there? They went from Blake Barnett at quarterback to Sam Sam Dart. Was it Blake Barnett? No, who's the quarterback? No, it was uh, Max Wittick. I think Max was the quarterback. Ba- Max Brown or no Max, Max Wittick? Was it was Max? It was Max Brown? It's Max Brown. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Max Brown. Yeah, I think Max, Max Wittick was already gone. Uh, but, but yeah, I think that I think it was Max Brown. I'm going to go look it up now because that's going to bother me, even though it's not pertinent to the story. Ma- it's just, Max Brown's the kid from Washington, right? Came from Washington State. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was. Yes, it was Max Brown. Yes, okay. Max Brown. Max Wittick's last year at USC was 2013. Wow, so, he was that long ago? Yeah. That's he played, insane. He played against Notre Dame in 2012. Wow. <clears throat> he was the quarterback for, for USC when they played Notre Dame in 2012. That's so, crazy. yeah, it was Max Brown. But anyway... I just, when those things get in my head, I just can't not, I can't move on until I know the answer to that. But the point is they, they, they made the change at quarterback, but that change of quarterback wasn't the reason they all of a sudden could look good in defense, looked good on the offensive line. It was part of that team evolving and finally getting to its potential. They didn't have a talent problem when they lost to Utah early in the season. They didn't have a talent problem when they lost to Stanford, that was the same players, the same exact players on that football team that, that beat, that crushed Arizona state, that beat Colorado, who was really good that year, that destroyed Oregon, that went on the road and beat number four, Washington, a playoff team by 13 that year. They beat Mm -hmm. them by 13 in that game. They held Washington 200. Look, look, this is what Washington did that season. So four eighty total offense for Washington, 482, 407, 512, 424, 682 against Oregon, 519, 385, 704, 509, or excuse me, 539, 510, 383 against Bama, 194 against USC, 276, 17 rushing yards against USC, right? That was a playoff team. 
And then also, same thing on the other side of the ball. Their defense gave up over 400 yards that year twice. Once was to Oregon in a game that Washington won 70 to 21, and then in a loss to USC at home. And USC scored more points against them than Alabama did. That's the same team in USC, Ryan, that that mm-hmm. season got their butts kicked by Alabama 52 to 6, lost to Stanford 27 to 10, and then lost at Utah that year. Now, that Stanford team in 2016 was not a very good football team. Lost mm-hmm. to Cap Colorado 10 to 5. They went 10 and 3. They weren't that good. I mean, Notre Dame almost beat them that year, and Notre Dame, and that was the 2016 team. Notre Dame sucked. Like, Notre Dame pissed that game away. And that team smacked USC in the mouth. What changed? Did, did they go out and cut a bunch of guys and go sign a bunch of free agents? Did they make trades? Did they trade future first-round draft picks for, you know, a, a more players? Or was the talent always there, but they didn't have the right people on the field and they weren't putting them in a position to be successful and it was still coming together as a team? Which of those is, is true? And that's the frustration. It's What I hate is lazy answers. I'll just say they, they lack speed. That's lazy. Oh, they don't have the talent. You thought they did. That's lazy. We were wrong in our assessment of this team, but it's not talent. It's not talent. That's a lazy answer. And we're going to address the reasons that, they're, that they are not playing well. And defensively, we've addressed them because mm-hmm. this team is not playing as fast as they should. Guys that we have seen play that way, we have seen Isaiah Foskey play like an All-American. We've seen yep. it. Did he all of a sudden lose talent? Did Jason Ademiel lose talent? No. Did Maris Lufout get slow this offseason? No. So what's the problem? Identify that, fix it, and start rolling. Now, it's the season's ruined from a can-you-play-for-a-championship standpoint? It is. Mm-hmm. But now it's about fixing it, building on the foundation, so that way you can get rolling and then you don't make these mistakes again. And the coaching staff is going to do one of two things. They're either going to not fix it, which is going to tell me they're not they're not the guys you need to, to take this program to the next level, right? Or they're going to fix it, and this becomes a lesson learned that then prepares you for what's next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Urban Meyer went through this at Ohio State as well, I believe, in 2012 and 2013, because I, I I believe, and I've argued this before, I don't think the Big Ten was really that good in 2012 and 2013. And, and I think Mark D'Antonio did a phenomenal job during that stretch of taking mm-hmm. advantage of Penn State being down. Ohio State was down because of the whole scandal with Trussell, and then you bring in Luke Fickle, and they were, you know, they were coming off of what a seven and six, six and seven season. Penn State was coming off their scandal. Michigan was 
terrible under Rich Rod and then Brady Hoke. They really did a great job of taking advantage of those teams being down, and Mark D'Antonio built something really good. But, I mean, we saw what happened when Michigan State kind of went on some of the big stages. They were not that good. Right. And Ohio State dominated Urban's first two years, dominated a, a pretty down Big Ten. You know, went 12 and 0 his first year and did and beat and had two wins over ranked teams that year. Uh, beat Nebraska, who finished the year 25th, and then beat Michigan, who finished the year 24th. And that Michigan team that year in 2012 went eight and five. That that's who they beat. It was, it was not a good year in the Big Ten. Their non-conference was Miami, Florida, UCF, and California. Right. An eight and five team finished number 24 in the country. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. I mean, you could argue that the best team they played that year was UCF, who went 10 and three. Right. And so, you know, you look at it and, and 10 and four, excuse me, 10 and four and beat Ball State in a bowl game. Right. <laughs> and and so and then you come out 2013 and again, they start off 12 and 0. They look good, you know, record wise. But who they beat that year? They beat their best win in the regular season. They beat Buffalo, San Diego State and Cal in the non-conference week non-conference. Their best win that year was over a Wisconsin team that finished 22nd. And went nine and four. And then they beat a Michigan team who went seven and six, 42 to 41. You remember that game? Then they went out in the Big Ten title game and got smacked by Michigan State and they got embarrassed by Clemson. So, what I'm pointing to is there were holes that could not get exposed. They got exposed, and Urban said, Not that's not gonna happen again. He fires Everett Withers after the Orange Bowl. Well, fires him, right? He got uh, the head coaching job at James Madison, right? Okay. You don't leave at the time was not in conversation about going D1. They were not a powerhouse yet at the one double level. You don't leave as the defensive coordinator, Ohio state to become a FCS head coach. If you have a job at Ohio state still, right? Not wrong. Are not wrong. Smart enough to know that. Right. Yeah. And so he said, Nope, 12 and two is not good enough. We've been, exp- these things have been exposed. We need to make a change. He goes and hires Chris Ash and then the first couple games, it took them a while that next year to kind of get rolling. But once they got rolling, bam, they took off, right? Mm-hmm. And so the talent wasn't the issue against Michigan State. Talent wasn't the issue against Clemson. Talent wasn't the issue against Virginia Tech. It was your team wasn't good yet. Yeah. And you have to identify why. I don't think talent's the problem right now. Is the talent at certain positions not where it needs to be? Of course. But it's not a talent problem that's why they're 0-2. No, it needs to get fixed and it's on both sides of the ball and needs to get fixed and you can't just do the whole, well, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and just do it better. You got to figure out what went wrong. And I do believe Ryan, there, there comes a point in time to say, you know what, this is on us. We need to take a step back. And this is what I'm begging for on defense. Take a step back and say, you know what? We were able to do this stuff against Ohio state. And it was a little bit of fool's gold from a scheme standpoint, because we had all summer to put this stuff in. Right. We had a long time to put this stuff in. We can't do that week after week. It's too much. That's on us. So let's scale it back a little bit. Let's make sure these kids have mastered the basic things are mastered. Once the basics are mastered, then you can ramp it back up. And mm-hmm. I think if they can do that and if they're willing to do that, then I think we're going to see this team get better. If they think that it's, well, it's this kid's fault, so let's yank him off. It's that kid's fault, so let's yank him off. You know, those are things that you look at and say, okay, here, if you do this, you can go out and, and, and be effective and be successful. And I think those are the things that I'm, that I want to see from this group. And if they can do that, Ryan, then I do think this will get fixed and we won't be talking about talent at the end of the year. If they don't do that, then this team will continue to underachieve in my opinion.
I think I think no matter what, Brian, at the end of the day, whether we not saying you and me, but just generally speaking, whether a person to a person doesn't agree on what the talent level is in Notre Dame or doesn't agree on what the actual problems are with the team currently, the 2022 version of Notre Dame team. The one thing we can all agree on is it has to be fixed, right? right. That's the one thing that we agree on is that there's something not working and it has to be fixed. That's the point blank to it. And we have laid out a lot of things, obviously, in this podcast about what we think are some of the key issues. And I hope that this was something that people kind of take away and just say, like, hey, there's a problem here and there's a there's a fundamental reason why these players are not making plays, why this player is not playing fast. And I think that there's it's all about accentuating strengths, man. I really do. And what's the best way to accentuate strengths? To your points, it's not dumbing it down. It is scaling back a little bit and asking a player to do one to two things really well instead of trying to do seven things and not doing them overly well, right? Mm-hmm. You need to know what does Isaiah Foskey do well? What does Jason Amalola do well? What does Riley Mills do well? What does Ramon Henderson do well? What is, whatever. Any player that's on the field for Notre Dame's defense, what do they do well? Let's ask him to do it, right? Because right. at the end of the day, Brian, another thing that it will do for you is if you do do that and you scale it back and you don't ask them to do as much, if the issues are still there and they don't play better, then you know what the issue is at the end of the day, right? Then at that point, you're like, okay, maybe this player just isn't good enough in this role. Maybe this player, maybe we have a fundamental, fundamental hole in this position group or this area of the field. You have an evaluation opportunity moving forward on top of having growth potential right now. And you need to, in order to find out what the absolute problem is, I think, again, scaling back is going to show what some of the key issues are even further. I think one thing I want to see from the players, and this is something I'm I'm hearing a little bit, is uh, you got to stop talking about what the last coach did. Well, this is how we did it with so-and-so. Because if you're not buying in, to what the new staff is doing, then you're not going to know if it is truly that or if it's you or if it's both. Right. So there's got to be complete trust in this. And I, and I think, and I see sometimes that being a little bit of an issue. So that's got to get fixed. And so I think that's one of those kind of come together moments that you need to see. Now you may not ha- be happy about what they're asking you to do, but just do what they're asking you to do. And if it doesn't work, then you can do it with all your heart and all your might and all your soul and then if it doesn't work, then you can go out and fix it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that we need to see from this group as well, Ryan, because if the buy-in's not there, and I'm not saying this is a problem. I'm just saying this can be a problem when a, when a, sure. a team is successful and you have a coaching staff turnover because coaches leave for other opportunities, not from a fired – like be easy if you were 4-8 and eight last year to say, hey, I'm not doing what the last coach did. Right. We sucked, right? But when you had success – and a new coach comes in and says, hey, man, I'm going to ask you to do something different. If your mind's not right about that, then you're not going to be as successful. And I wonder mm-hmm. sometimes if that's part of the issue that we're seeing, especially with some of the defensive linemen, if that might be part of the issue. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is this is like the number one thing for relationships, right? In order for a relationship to be successful, you have to have trust and you have to – it's a two-way street, right? And it comes down to this, the coach – to play a relationship for them to both benefit. They have to have trust in each other. So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, to your point, is that a, is that a, is that the reason that it's not working right now? We don't know. Maybe not. Maybe right. so who knows, 
Regardless, though, in order for them to have growth, you need to have trust in each side, right? And if it's not, they need to figure out what the common ground right. is because it's right. Again, we can all agree what's going on right now. It's not working. Right. Something you needs can't to go change. out and get new players right now. You can go out yep. and get new players for next year, but you can't get them right now. And your job is to win because I don't care what you say about the talent. The talent is good enough to have beaten Marshall, no matter how poorly you played. I'm sorry. I'm that's sorry. you're not that's Texas the A&M. You're supposed to be chasing Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama. Not saying well, Texas A&M also lost. Well, Texas A&M sucks and has been has not been good for years and is vastly overrated. Sure. Right? That's not the standard. That's not okay. Well, because Texas A&M lost to App State. No, you're not supposed to be on the same level as Texas A&M. You're supposed to be above that. And so well, there is no there's no there's no talent excuse for what we saw Saturday. None. I think the Mar- the Marshall thing too, Brian, was like the biggest indicator. And and after the Marshall game, I think that that thing, like the the whole, the, oh, they don't have speed and like all that stupid stuff, right? Like that should not even have been on anybody's minds. Right. Like it's just even easy. if you think, even it's if you think easy. it's, even if you think it's true, guys, you really thought Marsh they lost the game against Marshall because they weren't as talented as Marshall. Like right. honestly, that's that's your real thought. I, I'm sure there is somebody out there that actually thinks that. No, there's like, there's definitely silly. people out there that think it's that. Silly. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've had people send me stuff. It's ridiculous. No, like, Notre Dame well, lost they, they against lost Marshall. Marshall brought in a bunch of transfers. Well, one wow. of those transfers was working at like Home Depot or something a year ago, right? <laughs> so like funny, you so know, like funny. transfers from where? These are not yeah. future NFL draft picks, and and so we're all looking for answers. And sometimes I think we can grab onto the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And, and it was the same thing last year. We heard, oh, it's, it's talent. They don't have the talent. And then all of a sudden later in the year, like, oh, wow, maybe they did have talent. Maybe this guy actually is good. You know what I mean? Well, he was always good. And you know, I think last year, Ryan, something that you and I always believed is true is Notre Dame fans did not appreciate Jack Cohn enough last year. Like if you take Jack Cohn off last year's team, Notre Dame has at least three regular season losses. They lose to Florida State, they lose to Toledo, and they probably lose to Virginia Tech. So it'd be four regular season losses, in my opinion. So I'm not saying that that means Tyler Buckner stinks. I'm just saying you didn't have that guy that could just rescue you like you had last year. You mm. needed to fix the problems that existed. And my frustration is they did not fix the problems that existed. They've only added to them. But there's a chance to rebound. And that's where we're that's what I'm excited to learn, Ryan, because we're you know, this is this sucks. And I'd rather not be here. But now that we're here, I'm 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 kind of encouraged because I want to see how Coach Freeman responds to this. Like get up. he's yep. he's being put in a situation we didn't expect him to be put in. Well, how, how do you respond? You know, are you able to kind of get the team going in the right direction? Because you got a lot of guys right now pointing fingers. Well, we're losing because you know. Coach Washington did this and Coach Elston did this or because <clears throat> Coach Quinn did this and Coach Eastan's doing this or, you know, Coach Golden's doing this when Coach Freeman or Coach Lee would do this. You start to see that stuff creep in. It's up to the head coach to say, nope, 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 nope. Here we go. Yep. Here's, here yep. we go. This is what the opportunity is in front of us. You know, hey, Isaiah and Patterson, and you guys may not be playing for a championship anymore, but you're playing for something. You're playing, yep. you know, legacy you want to leave Notre Dame, but also you're playing for NFL draft status right now. Right now, yep. you're going to do that by playing within the framework of what we're asking you to do. You got to trust us, and we got to trust you. And it's an opportunity for him to to kind of say, "Hey, what we've been doing is, you know, we're gonna we're gonna come out here and we're gonna fix this. We're gonna get this rolling." And so you do that, and then all of a sudden things get fixed because what you're doing now is is not good enough, and it needs to get corrected. And it needs to get fixed, and 
you're going to learn a lot about Coach Freeman right now. And mm-hmm. and uh, and somebody said, don't forget about Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is part of the reason that Toledo took the lead. I mean, he fumbled a ball that allowed Toledo to go down and score. Kyron yeah. didn't do a whole lot early in the year last year. So, no, I'm not – Kyron, like, no, uh-uh. No, that's not the reason you're losing. I'm sorry. Because Kyron didn't do jack early in the year when the offensive line wasn't playing well. Because no running back can do jack outside of Barry Sanders can do jack when the offensive line is not blocking. Right? So, Kyron doesn't fix anything now, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. One, mm-hmm. There's one play you could point to and say Kyron would have done better than it was the blitz pickup against – against Marshall this last week. Sure. But we saw the same issues last year when Kyron was back there. And it's, it's I'm not blaming Kyron. It's a back is not going to do anything when the offensive line is not blocking. Uh, Kyron, the play calling has been what it's been. Kyron was a really good football player. But I yes. guess, again, it comes back to the talent stuff, right? This, I mean, I guess some people might believe this, but like, do I, I don't believe it that Chris Tyree, Audrey Estime, and Logan Diggs aren't good football players. Like, I, I don't agree with that. I just don't agree. Right. So, they are all good football players. If anybody right. is sitting here and saying there's a lack of talent at the position, I don't know what to tell you, except that I just eminently do, do not agree with that sentiment. Well, I mean, you know, again, look at last year. Look at look what Kyron did last year, right? And again, this isn't about Kyron, Ryan. I, no. I get what you're saying. Not uh, Ryan, the guy that left the comment. I get what you're saying about that. But mm-hmm. look, my point is, Kyron is not the reason that they came back and won those games, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was it was Jack Cohn making those plays. Now, Kyron was a good player, but again, Kyron was not playing good last good football early last year. It wasn't his fault. There was nowhere to run, but he had the bad fumble against Toledo that, you know, proved costly. And, you know, you, you, you look at the things that he did do well. I mean, he had, I think it was, he had a 43 yard touchdown run against Toledo last year, right? They gave him their name a 14 to nine lead. That that was with Buckner in the game. And yeah, yeah. right. He finished the game with 78 yards. I mean, so on his other, let me look at it, on his other 15 carries, he had like 30-some yards. He averaged 2.3 yards per carry against Penn State. He went for 33 yards on 1.8 yards per carry against Wisconsin. He went for 45 yards rushing on 3.5 yards per carry against Cincinnati. He didn't have his first 100-yard game until late October against USC. That's not Kyron's fault. You know what I mean? Like, that's not his fault. Uh, You know, it it was the offensive line stunk. But that's kind of where I'm coming down. And then again – Notre Dame is up on Toledo 24 to 22. They're trying to go down, ice the game. There's three and a half minutes left. The Kyron fumbles, loses the ball. Toledo gets the ball back, goes down and scores. And then Jack rescued him by coming out the next series. So I understand what you're saying, but it was more about Jack rescuing them late. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's just the reality of it is, is this team – this team was not where it needed to be, and that's not okay. Like, this isn't me saying, well, this is Brian Kelly's fault. No, no, no. Brian mm-hmm. Kelly left the problems in the program that we've been addressing for nine months. But Marcus Freeman and his staff are supposed to fix those problems. And yep. so far, they haven't. What I'm mm-hmm. excited about, and excited is also not so much a it's going to happen, but it's we're going to learn one way or the other. Excited Anxious. about is yeah. can this staff identify the problems, number one, and then fix them? Because mm-hmm. it's almost all of it is fixable relative to what's left on your schedule. Right. right. And so because Notre Dame's not the only flawed team out there. I mean, there's a lot of flawed teams right now and it's early in the year and they're all evolving. How will Notre Dame evolve? Will they let this snowball like 2016 or will this team sack up and say, you know what, fellas? This isn't going to happen to us. We're going to mm-hmm. fix this and we're going to go. We're going to start winning some games. Yep. And the offense has to do that. 
the defense has to do that. The coaching staff has to do that. And honestly, fans have to do that because I'm already seeing fans. I'm not going to go to next week's game. Come on now. You know what I mean? Like this is when your team needs you the most and, and you've got people jumping ship and bailing and all that kind of stuff. It's like you're questioning the players want to. Well, when the first time things go bad, go bad for you, you cancel your membership to Irish Breakdown and Irish Illustrated and these other things. You, I'm not going to watch anymore. You announce the whole world. I'm not going to be on the message board anymore because this team sucks. Like, well, you know, who's quitting? Who's giving up now, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, so – it, it's it's every part of this program and every part of Notre Dame Nation needs to say, okay, w- our backs are against the wall. What are we going to do? We're going to not show up to games and cheer now? Are you going to boo your starting quarterback who get who breaks who like hurts his shoulder? You're going to boo him? You're going to have people in the stands, Ryan. You were around someone who said, "No, good. I'm glad he's hurt." Basically, like, really, yeah, really. Something. Okay, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. okay. So that's how we're going to be. And I, I think Notre Dame fans are better than that. And I think people in this chat are better than that. So it's like, look, we can point out things that are messed up that we don't like, but let's try to figure out what needs to happen, what can happen, and support the team one or the other. Support doesn't mean blind faith. This is what right. I hate. I hate people right. say, well, you're being critical of the team. You're not a true fan. Bullcrap. Mm-hmm. Bullcrap. Being a true fan means being willing to point out, hey, that's not okay. That's not all right. You got to fix that. Right. And and fans should be able to do that. And if you're going to be part of this channel, you're going to do that. Right. That's what we do. But there's that. And then there's, you know, cheering when your starting quarterback gets hurt. Oof. Right. Like that's that's not OK. So it's all of us. All yeah. of us got to do a better job. There's and if no any doubt. if anybody is giving away their tickets to the Cal game, if you want to hit up at Rise and Draft on Twitter, I will gladly take them for free. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say this too. Joel Leeson said this. He says, Brian, BK checked out five years ago. Guys like Jack, Kyron, Ian, et cetera, covered for a lot of bad things. Those guys won a lot of close games in spite of BK and bad recruiting. Coach Freeman is forced to clean up. I, there's one guy in there that I'm not necessarily going to throw into that conversation, to be honest with you, but like Kyron is an example of that. Sure. I think you're referring to Jack Cohn there. I'd point to Isaiah Foskey last year and just great mm-hmm. individual performances last year. You're no doubt, You're no doubt right about that, and we've talked about this. And yes, Coach Freeman is forced to clean those up, but he isn't so far. And that's the point, right? Yeah. And now that doesn't mean he's done. Oh, he's never right. going to be successful. He's in over his head. I can't stand. So- that's that's a, that's another one of those that I think is lazy analysis. Oh, he's in over his head. You know, and you try to read it. Like I've, heard, I've, heard, I've literally had two different people listen to his Monday press conference and give me two completely different examples or response to it. Oh, per- perfect evidence of he's in over his head. Uh, okay. Another guy, oh, you know, he showed me honesty. And it's like, because you're going into it with a certain perception and then you're taking out of that whatever your perception was going in. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of, that's the way that it is. But his task is to clean it up. And the reality is whether you're pro Marcus Freeman or not pro Marcus Freeman, the reality is he has not done that for the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's on him. That's not on Brian Kelly, right? It's because again, you lost to Marshall, right? You Mm -hmm. lost to Marshall. It's the point blank to it, man. Point blank to it. Not Michigan, not Ohio State in week two, you know, Clemson in week two, you lost Ohio State week one, you didn't lose to Clemson, you didn't lose to USC, you didn't lose to Michigan, you lost to Marshall at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not Brian Kelly's fault. Nope. Right? You were tasked with, well, Notre Dame would have lost this game last year too. Yeah, exactly, which is why we wanted Brian Kelly gone. Right? Because So those things don't happen. And that's what Coach Freeman has to do. You know? That's what he has to do. And that means making tough choices sometimes. From a coaching standpoint, it means making tough choices sometimes from a player standpoint. 
But I'll tell you the one thing that needs to happen, and I'm going to write about this in my midweek musings coming up. They got to chill with this. Well, this guy doesn't have this trust or that trust or this other thing because the guys that you're trusting right now, in some instances, are not playing well. So put the really talented kid who you may not trust. Because here's the thing. Give me a young guy that's going to go out and play his butt off who's going to make a mistake, Mm -hmm. but it's going to play his butt off over the veteran who's getting beat because he's not going at it. Yeah. You know? That's my Brian, it, it's it's like uh it's like you know if people heard me do a podcast what two times, right? I'm talking about sample size here for Marcus mm-hmm. Freeman. We've seen him coaching two football games as a head coach. If they heard me two times, you don't make a decision that I'm great at my job right from there, you know? Like eventually you're like, Yeah, wow, Ryan really knows what he's doing, you know? Like he's a really intelligent and smart and good looking guy, but it you know, you don't just base it off of two podcasts, right? Like you you have to you have to get a little bit of a sample size to know about full of S, you know? <laughs> Did you seriously just say it's a good looking guy? What the heck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, good, that that was, was good very laugh. well done. Very well yes. done. So anyway, this Saturday against Cal, and we tomorrow we're gonna start talking more about Cal, and we're gonna go to mailbag here. But I think that kind of wraps up the areas where we we've addre- we feel like we've addressed some things. Uh, somebody said Ryan fishing for a raise, not because he's good looking. I don't, I don't discriminate that way. That's illegal. Um, but uh, that was great, Ryan. We're going to talk you. more about Cal tomorrow because Ryan and I have a lot of thoughts on Cal from the film that we've watched so far. Uh, but I feel like we've done a good job, Ryan, of addressing areas that are fixable, right? Yep. Some stuff can't be fixed, right? You can't go get new players right now. Some of the stuff isn't going to get fixed, but it still should not be as bad as it has been. We're going to we address those things. We're going to we're going to talk. Uh, Sean and Vince or, or Sean and Vince. Yes, tonight I believe we'll have a no. Tonight's going to be Sean and Jesse. I believe we're going to have IB Nation Sports Talk at six p.m. And hey, listen, we need y'all's help. So we have launched the CFB All Amer- CFB Nation show, and we're not populating with a ton of stuff, but we are populating it with things. We have a show out today uh, with uh, the guys from Sporting News, Bill Bender and Bill Trochi, where they. Talked about, I mean, Scott Frost getting fired, Notre Dame falling out of the top 25, Michigan picking their quarterback, Alabama's road woes, you know, because Alabama finally played a road game out of conference and didn't look good. Imagine that, right? <clears throat> and so talked about that. And then their second part of their show is going to come out tomorrow. So please check that out. Help us build that po- podcast up because the more you all watch it to help us out, the more it gets spread around and, and shared. And, you know, liking that channel would be very helpful to just kind of help us just kind of get it up the SEO ranks and get it up the different algorithms to help people check it out. So there's obviously the YouTube version, but also you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and those type of things. So that's where we're really trying to help get that thing growing uh, right now. And I also want to hear from you all, whether it's DMs, whether it's on the Irish Breakdown message board, I'm going to start doing some things, I think, to kind of populate that stuff too, with just some quick hitters and quick takeaways on the news of college football and games and things like that. Uh, where I think myself and, and Ryan might do some things along that line as well with the NFL draft as we get closer to the NFL draft. So we're going to have him on the CFB Nation channel doing some NFL draft stuff as well. So, uh, But need y'all help to to kind of build that up and, and get that rocking and rolling as well. So would appreciate that as well. But, of course, as always, the main one is here at Irish Breakdown. So make sure that you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Don't go anywhere just yet, though, because we do have a mailbag coming up. Uh, but we did want to at least get that out to y'all before we move on to the mailbag. <laughs>